Okay, people, welcome to Self-Improved. If you hear the sizzling, my brother's cooking up some serious pierogies. Happy Friday. Enjoy this podcast. I'll cut to the chase. Side note before you listen, I understand it's peer pressure. I just say it so fast, it sounds like pure pressure. I'm saying peer pressure, so it's. I understand it's peer pressure. Anyways, enjoy. Um... Hello. No, I've, I've tried a few times. I've tried a few times. Like Peer that? pressure. And I got a buzz. Yeah. But I couldn't focus because of the buzz. Yeah, but it gets too bad. Yeah. yeah. No, I've had that. Nicotine's tough. Nicotine's a strong addiction. For people listening on my phone, Scott asked if I have dipped before. Chewing tobacco. Yeah. Because baseball players, that's their thing. No, just peer pressure. I knew a ton of guys that were addicted. It's hard not to be addicted. Like I've like literally I've been like on and off addicted to nicotine since I was like in high school. Like it's what forms? I smoked in high school. This is like I this is one thing. Oh, that, what like, the fuck? I didn't like, know you smoked dude, cigarettes. Dude, I smoked cigarettes for like two years. It's something that I like don't put out. A lot of people, especially someone like yourself who met me in like the last four years or whatever, mm-hmm. would have no idea. But like when I was like grade nine, ten, like I was a bomb. Like I was like I was such a bomb. I was. I literally just like Drinking, doing drugs all the time, smoking cigarettes, like grade like nine and ten, I was just like a loser, like a straight up loser. Like that's, I was just, uh, yeah, that was pretty much it. Like I was just a loser. And then fitness, I got into fitness in like grade twelve, and then right. things started to turn around. Come closer. So that's close. yeah. I gotta sneak over so here. I gotta yeah. Yes. Yeah. True. Good call. <laughs> We're on the comfiest couch on, on the, the planet. Yeah. Well, thick boy, what's going on in your life? Not much, man. Um, I went to Montreal this weekend. It was a good time. It was actually really sweet. There was this crazy gym called Pro Gym, and it was like I told you. Right, tell the people. It was like forty thousand square feet. Like I can't. One thing that I was thinking about was how they kept this place open during that. I couldn't. I couldn't believe it. I was like, how do you pay for something that big during all during all of this COVID? Like no employees, no personal training, like nothing. It blew my mind. Yeah. Guess how much do you think costs to run that place? Dude, I that's such a good like, like yeah. they, they like I would say like would would six figures be like what a month a month like but, a monthly rent for something that big, especially dude. in Montreal. Like I don't know Montreal, so I don't know how the location was. From it was right near like the Biodome in Montreal, which is like right kind of downtown on the mm-hmm. same lines. Um, so I would assume that would be like. There wasn't nice buildings around, but I would assume that just being in a, that big city, that close and, to downtown. Yeah. Square footage thing. Well, because, like, what's, like, what is it in London? Like, I know, like... Out well, I, in, I just know these plazas. I know, like, East End, it's, like, like a like a thousand per square, a thousand square... Like, it's a dollar per square foot. A dollar per square foot. Yeah, I know some of these plazas where we work is, like... Um, one and a half to three per square foot. Oh wow! Yeah. I know, I know. Three dollars per square foot. That would be it, the kids scape over there. Really? Eh? Yeah. But like, ima- even imagine that. Even imagine just a dollar per square foot. Forty thousand dollars a month. And you and they've only been open for what? How long have gyms been open for the last year? Like five months total. Ooh, that's Some, a lot of something money. Something like man. that. Holy shit! That's a lot of money. And they definitely break six figures. If, if yeah, now thinking about it, just rent forty k. Like if you, they have. They to. pay people. They uh, they have to be two dollars a square foot. Yeah, they, no they're way. financing a lot of equipment too. Probably if they have like as much as you're saying. Yeah, it was absurd. I've never seen a gym so large with such quality, like variety of equipment, like all beautiful stuff. Like I would 
I, you know what I was thinking the whole time? I was like, imagine this is your gym. Imagine you have a membership here. You leave work. You come here to work out. I was like looking at everybody that was working out there. I was like, I don't think, I feel like these people probably take it for granted. Uh, um, like yeah, if, you, yeah, if yeah. I worked out there for years, I would take it for granted too. Like they had a full boxing, a boxing ring, MMA cage, a bunch of heavy bags. Like you could do everything in there. Then I was thinking about being a trainer in that gym. Oh, I see. Dude, you could have a full client base in like two months True. because you have thousands of people coming through that gym like that day alone there was hundreds do you think the criteria to be a coach there would be greater then i don't know i was actually thinking that there was a couple trainers there training and they there was like one like she looked like a bodybuilder but like i didn't see like many other people there so i'm not really sure they had like pt offices all (laughs) along and i was like dude imagine having your own office at a gym i I couldn't imagine that'd be that's the goal that's the goal right (laughs) yeah i saw you were doing Machines. Are you a huge fan of machines? Is it something you miss because we don't have it in our facility? A ton, actually. I actually love machines a lot. Over machine. I did a pullover machine. That was unique. I saw that. Yeah. That's yeah. like, dude. That machine is one of my favorite back exercises by far for like lat width. But yeah, for hypertrophy, machine. It's like a hot take, but machines are king for hypertrophy. That's why I brought it up. Yeah. Very hot take. Yeah, machines are one hundred percent king. Like barbells. Are, Bodybuilder, you'll hardly ever see like bodybuilders using barbells other other than for the purpose of training their nervous system to get stronger so that that translates over to exercise that elicit hypertrophy better. So like mm-hmm. <clears throat> a lot of guys are like like open level bodybuilders. A couple of them will like do deadlifts, but like deadlifts aren't a fantastic like what are you trying to grow there? It's like, OK, not a great back back exercise. You have like an isometric contraction on your lats throughout it. You're trying to grow hamstrings. Uh, it's not really like the most ideal because um, you're not really taking the hamstrings through a full range of motion. And it's like they're not really the prime mover, I would say. Glutes, eh, kind of like hip thrusts are better. So every muscle group that is the main drivers of a dead, you're not really maximizing the potential for hypertrophy. But if you can get really strong in a deadlift, then and they're a full body exercise then your nervous system as a whole is going to be stronger and more efficient. So then I could take that newfound strength from my nervous system and apply it to a dumbbell pullover or something that is better for hypertrophy. Mm -hmm. And then I can move more weight in that exercise. And then therefore I should be able to grow more muscle. Yeah. So, so pretty much to reiterate, so I completely understand what you're saying. You're really with the compound lifts, increasing potential for the ice, uh, the isolation. Exactly. Bang on. Yeah, yeah. exactly. But yeah, machine, machines are so superior because it actually, like, when you're trying to grow a muscle, you need to isolate that muscle. Like, it needs to be isolated. You want to take the stabilizers out of it for the most mm. part. You should still have those exercises in, but even, like, a Bulgarian split squat, like, most people are using something for support so that they're not off balance and trying to balance, because that's taking away from the quality of the stretch and contraction of your on your quads. Mm. Like, mm-hmm. so... That's why a hack squat is so superior to a barbell back squat because your erectors low back fatigue way earlier than your quads right. do. And most people are squatting to parallel, which isn't the full range of what your quads can do. So you're missing an entire portion of that you could be causing muscle damage and therefore growth. So yeah, I do miss machines a lot for bodybuilding specifically. Like it's been nice just training like barbells and dumbbells a lot, but I prefer machines a ton. I can't help but think performance-based too. So like you nailed it with hypertrophy, but like taking stability out of a strength movement can increase strength. Yeah, for so sure. Like yeah. Athletes, there's nothing wrong with actually getting rid of stability, but you need stability. I know that sounds like an oxymoron. Yeah. Well, it's true. It's just that you, you've got to have a mix in, in both programs. And yeah, I feel like a lot of like trainers might avoid machine work because they see it as like, oh, that's for bodybuilders. But machine work's really, really important. Like if you 
if you have an athlete that needs to isolate a muscle, needs a specific muscle to be quite strong, then isolate it and grow it and make it more efficient at that muscle solely contracting. Like Yeah, or actually in here we can jump with an analogy. I always say get as strong as you can and as stable as you can separately, just like you would sharpen two individual tools so you create the best house. Whereas if you're just trying to rip every tool all the time and they're all dull, you're not going to build a good house. It's just like if you keep merging energy systems or I guess skills, would you say? You're going to have mediocre skills. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. Do you like machines? Do you like training machines? I guess it's been a long time. I don't. But it's probably because I haven't used them since high school. Yeah. That's crazy. eh? Even at Fanshawe, man, we had a lot of them there. I just, for some, maybe because I was trying to learn the compound lift still, like perfectly. Yeah. I know I was the same way. I was like prioritizing like squat bench and deadlift, clean and jerk snatches, like a lot of that stuff. So and even the accessories that relate to those lifts are usually a compound dumbbell movement or something like that. But that being said, like a really deep hack squat helped me lengthen my quads, make my quads stronger, make the deep squat more comfortable, built me strength in the end range of a deep squat without having to worry about holding something over my head or holding a bar on my back. I could just solely take myself to a really deep squat and build strength in that end range, which translated over to cleans and snatches. And, And how nice did it feel just to be in a commercial gym again like and not not like oev or like because those to me aren't really commercially like i'm talking like commercial gym man like where you're gonna go have a shower after like in an actual shower not a small like a legit change room how nice did that feel dude i, I miss it, it. I, oh, I loved it man and also the social aspect being around like right. hundreds of people i love yeah. that environment. i love the environment of other the smell people. even just or just I can't explain it. Rise of your good life, like the days when they gave free memberships. Yeah, no, literally. When when did they give? Oh, free sorry. In well, London, if you were a teenager, you got a free one. Oh, that's so. so literally from like thirteen till I was eighteen, nineteen, technically. Going to when did the, you start lifting? Thirteen. Yeah. What did those What did those workouts look like for you? What were your goals? I, experimentation. Then? Oh, my goal was like just hypertrophy what how'd you get into it like what made you like exposed to resistance training what made you want to do it okay i actually don't mind telling it. it's really short too i watch commercials or videos of pros training i go i want to be a pro athlete gotta train because i'll do what the pros do i started doing push-ups i couldn't do more than six so i had this goal of 10 i'll never forget it too and i was like in grade five or six and uh i remember like getting 10 in a row one day and shortly after and then i would do these towel workouts on it was like mike chang six pack shortcuts and the channel doesn't exist anymore and but the guy i don't know what's happened to him either anyways the rest is history because when i was 13 like it was a no-brainer i don't even know how i found out probably just like walking by and dude like it was really cringe actually i'll tell a quick story and i I wrote a blog post about this was i see a guy pumping at 135 like it's nothing because he's a middle-aged guy and so he didn't even take the plates off, so I jump in. I'm going to go crush 135. I'm 13. Oh, no. And I, I unrack it somehow. And I still can, like, remember. I picture this scene vividly. And I get it uh, maybe an inch off my chest. I know I won't complete the rep, but thank God, Baruch Hashem, there was these this hook. You know how, the, like, the old school yeah. bench racks had multiple hooks? And this one was, like, the small one right above your head. And I was able to like get it on there. Oh, that's and, so and, and then and then yeah, and ever since then, I'll never forget it. And like guys were like laughing at me. All was the it, old dudes were. Was laughing. it clipped? Like was it was it? Clipped? Hell no. No. Hell no. 
That's brutal. Anyways, that could have been disastrous. <laughs> what about you? When did you? Remind the people when you started. Uh, 15. Like, I first, like, went to, like, a YMCA with my friends in high school. Um, I started working with, like, some buddies that were into it. And, yeah, like, I just, I just started getting... I wasn't, like, super consistent at, like, 15. Like, it was, like, I would just go when my friends went. Um, 16 definitely started to go more. Like, started going to a different gym um <clears throat> with like the goal of like hypertrophy but i was like st- like i had no nutrition knowledge i didn't have any real training knowledge i just went in and like just did like a bro split basically like chest back Same. legs arms shoulders whatever and then 17 i like really dialed it in like then i like learned about nutrition i lost like 35 pounds i like really started educating myself and then that's when i like really fell in love with it and i was like oh like i want to do this like for a while but yeah 15 technically so like i guess seven years like in a gym but yeah yeah, yeah. more like five years like actually knowing what i was doing like meaningful gym experience yeah bro i'll tell you good god i would go back to those good life days in a heartbeat like i was going to the classes trying to experience and i love fitness classes to this day actually just because of maybe that nostalgia and sentimentality but i would see all my buddies mothers in those classes because it was the good life in my neighborhood and everyone lived in the same neighborhood and i would always schmooze with them and like you know they loved it and then uh another thing is i would literally spend like i was telling you like almost three hours at the gym because i would pretty much just do full body workouts but not good full body workouts like where I would hit my bench from every angle, like incline, the semi-incline, and then like flat, and sometimes like That's I rip the deep. No, 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 and, and and then and I'd like squat and lunge and do anything possible. Like I'd literally like a kid in a candy store, like you say. Anyways, and and I'd do the whole like shower and uh, sauna, and I'd go in the massage chairs and read. And I remember <laughs> and, <laughs> well, just getting your money's worth. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, then, and get this, like some of the terms I know today, I had learned. Because someone gave me a book, or I found a book on running, but they use terms like glycogen, right, and DOMS, and these are things that at the time were just completely mind blowing. I'm like, there's ways to describe how I feel, mm-hmm. and I'm like, wait, 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 what is that? I had to Google stuff. I'm like, like, what is this? Oh, what's that? And I'm like, going through rabbit holes when I was like teenager. Anyways, the ripple effect was vast, but I'm just saying, I would never want to spend more than even like. 70 minutes in one place yeah I know. like life mean. is yeah. too busy for that yeah <laughs> so. no but those are the glory days right like I, I would do this man i was telling uh one of my young clients like that i will I, when i was like in high school i would go to the gym at like midnight like i would like i'd finish dude i would finish i would finish work i worked at this restaurant in, in town <clears throat> and i would finish work i have my gym bag i'd get in the car and I drive down the road to the gym, and I wouldn't leave the gym till like one thirty in the morning. I love it. It was I don't know why. Like I loved it. Like I had the opportunity to go home and work out like after school, but like not that much time. So I'd go home, I'd like nap, and then I'd like go to work for like whatever, like a six eight hour shift. Yeah. And then yeah, I'd go to work. It's till like two in the morning. Go work out till two in the morning. I get up for school at like seven or eight, and then I just I did that for so long. Like I just fucking up my sleep just so I could work out at night. But it's because there was nobody in the gym. So I lo- like I was, it was just completely empty. So I had the whole place to myself. I love those days. That was so fun. I used to love like really late night workouts. Interesting. Uh, remind, remind me to ask you something about Stronger by Science, but also real quick, like do you still like late night workouts? Yeah, like kind of, no. no like, yeah, I, yeah, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. when they happen, yes. I'm like, oh, this feels really good. But like I'm in bed by like, 
10 or 10 30 yeah, so yeah, like yeah. i can't really like have those like late night workouts and i like i don't i don't like them that much like I, my nighttime is like to wind down and like watch netflix and then just fall asleep like I find sometimes when I like I'm working out really late, it's I feels like I have to do like one more thing before I go to bed. Sometimes it's just I see. I don't love them as much. Like perfect workout time for me is like in the afternoon now, like early afternoon. That's perfect. Like one to four. This sounds perfect. And so in remember we talked about the episode on Stronger by Science when they refer to should you uh, get the perfect amount of protein and sleep or just like do push-ups like which will help your gains and they 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 say all the time just like do the actual work the push-ups so the question you were working out when you should have been sleeping do you think though for someone who's starting out that that's more beneficial is just get the stimulus to your body versus like the perfect overall health habits probably yeah because (laughs) because if you had i guess like I guess you do the process of elimination. It's like if yeah, you yeah. had great sleep and great nutrition, but you weren't training hard, then what's the point? Like you're not going to. You're right. Muscle. But the if pyramid, you're, like yeah, the pyramid, yeah, exactly. But if you're training with suboptimal sleep and suboptimal nutrition, you're probably still going to see results. Something. <laughs> yeah, you'll see something. It might not be optimal, but you'll you have the stimulus to recover from. Yeah. And if you're a teenager, you're recovering regardless. Like you like. You need lots of sleep, yes, but you can run on really low sleep as a teenager and still recover and be fine. And you're a beginner. So that stimulus is so potent that you're soaking up everything. You're going to build muscle and strength really fast regardless. It'd be perfect case scenario if you were training well, sleeping well, eating well, but no, you're not. Like no no teenager is like at an optimal level. So, Well, I got it. Okay, on that note, I've got to show you. At a time in eighth grade, I was trying to pull all nighters all the time, eating candy every Friday night, and like it, just healthy as possible. Like it was as as if I legit was trying. And I will show you. I was putting on muscle anyways, just because of my genetics. Yeah. And dude, my sister found old photos. Where are these bad boys? You'll you'll die. I love so my, my brother and I flexing. No and, way. And then I was just. No, I was, what? <laughs> yeah. No, but it's it's just because my both my mother and father's side are like that. But it's oh just my, I was trying jacked. to be as unhealthy as possible, and then I was like grade six or seven. But still, it, that's crazy. It, no, it, you're actually no, jacked no, it, but, in grade. But it's just this is what I mean. Anyways, like this is what I mean. Just by like like you say. uh I don't know. Like even with inadequate other uh, inadequacies throughout all health measures, you can yeah. still gain muscle. You have some good genetics too. Yeah, right? it's, I'm lucky. I'm lucky. I'm yeah. lucky. I'm yeah. very I, lucky. I was just fat. <laughs> I was just fat in grade eight. I was three hundred pounds, <laughs> no, five foot three. Like <laughs> I love it. I was an oompa loompa at that age. Yeah, bro. Oh, bro. Oh, I meant to actually also. What do you think? I've heard two stories already, and it's it's just Tuesday. No, Wednesday into the first week of gyms being open. People being way too sore right off the get-go. A friend of mine goes, Zev, I can't bend my elbows. He just messaged us today. A client says her sister couldn't walk down the stairs without looking like she was uh, broken legs or something. Like, I want to hear your spiel because you know what I'm thinking. Like, 
why are people destroying their bodies on day one of their workouts yeah. and what can they do better they're just coming they're just coming in trying to do what they did previously right yeah. and i like i said that when like things like for, i actually got a question on monday questions like last week it was just like how to return to the gym or i haven't i haven't worked out in six months how do i do it i guess sorry to interrupt you multiple so many people are going to do this right yeah exactly they're going yeah. to get too, too sore so tell the people before they get too sore basically just don't go in and try to do what you did previously that's the biggest thing like just go in like three days a week full body just start there for like a month or like maybe not a month like two to three weeks like but like give yourself some time to like get used to that stimulus because you are going to be super fucking sore like and they're probably not eating enough protein too so that's another piece of it like Mm. you're going to be really sore if you don't have adequate protein intake and probably not the best sleep either so but it is just having tons of muscular stimulus that you haven't you haven't had it's like Mm. the first workout again so that'll go away like you can beat yourself up for a couple of weeks and then you'll get used to it and you won't be as sore but instead maybe just do a full body routine so that you're not going in just blasting chest for an hour and a half because you're really you're going to be fucked up your chest is going to mm, hurt right yeah so bro. full body spread the stimulus across your whole body you'll be sore full body but it'll be less overall so there you go bro and i, I made a video on this that i'm gonna post and i couldn't help but think like for anyone listening just make the workout an extension of your warm-up. Go through full range with warm-up weight, and that's it. Get all your sets in. Do that for a week or two. You're going to still be a little sore, honestly. Yeah, exactly. Think, uh, and then I was saying we have two scenarios. Scenario one is you destroy your fucking body, and you get just a abyssal of gains. Mm-hmm. Option two is you don't destroy your fucking body, and you also get a abyssal of gains because if people got all the gains that their intensity demonstrated then people like high school kids lifting 100 extra pounds week two would have been the hulk but they don't gain that much muscle quickly so if if you're following because i didn't articulate that well but if you're following along your body only likes to build so much muscle at a time no matter how hard you train Mm -hmm. uh there's a saying on mind pump to elicit the most amount of change doing the least amount of work and so this is why and this is why i'm Mm -hmm. trying i want people to know when you go in for the first week do those warm just warm up sets your body is going to elicit some change, assuming you haven't worked out for a while. And and then people are going like, yeah, Zev, like those warm-up sets aren't going to gain muscle. Well, no, they will. And if, if you're not getting muscle from them, it means you've been working out. So yeah. you don't even have to deal with the soreness shit we're talking about. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just, yeah. That's a big thing. Like, especially now, like everybody's, you summed it up well. Everybody's just trying to do too much. They're just trying to do too much right away. And like right. a lot of people go Get into back. the gym and. And a lot of people go to the gym and to do too much, no matter what time no of year it is. Yeah. Like they're just trying to, they have 25, 30 sets on each muscle group per mm. week. And if, it, and that's just diminishing returns. <laughs> like you're just like, that's gnarly. That's gnarly. <laughs> and you're just way overdoing it. Like you said, so many teenage guys, it's flat, flat bench, incline bench, decline bench, flies, push ups, fucking chest, everything. Like they're just doing everything because they want a big chest, but same as dieting it's like oh i need to do keto i need to be i need to be on 1200 calorie diets i need to be very Mm. restrictive you're doing more harm than good Mm. like sure you might see you might see some like you might be really fucking sore or you might lose weight really fast but it's not sustainable and you're gonna hurt yourself i always use the analogy it's like trying to catch a fly ball in baseball would you rather would you rather keep that baseball in front of you and track towards that baseball and be running towards it and catch it? Or would you want that baseball flying over your head and you're backpedaling, trying to get to it? And tra- what seems easier? Like what seems more in control and what seems more likely that you're going to succeed? Running forwards. Running forwards. So 
to take that analogy into fitness, do as little as you can and then slowly build on top of that. Mm, yeah, yeah, so yeah. move forwards rather than doing too much and then having and then seeing it and seeing your recovery fly over top of your head and then having to run back and backtrack, backtrack. recover from an injury or take time off the gym because you're so wrecked or have to spend a month um, reverse dieting because you fucked up your metabolism or whatever instead take a conservative approach and then build towards like whatever your maximal like mm -hmm. optimal range is for training and nutrition then overdoing it and then having to run backwards and backtrack right another i'm curious with the 80 20 rule and for anyone who hasn't heard it 80 percent of results come from 20 percent of the efforts and a lot of aspects of life however it's a half truth so do you find because it would apply to programming that 80% of your gains would come from 20% of the modalities. Do you find you have tapped into that 20% and actually then hacked it and turned it into a 100-100 rule? Where do you feel you know what works now and you're completely exploiting what works to get the most gains? Have for you the, found yourself like that? For the most part, yeah. I wouldn't say 100% because... 100-100, baby. Yeah, yeah, Because I think I know, like I know what the... I know everything I need to do and I know how to do it soundly, but sometimes life gets in the way and like you can't really train, sleep, eat optimally. So I'm almost there. I know everything that works and I know kind of the, how much volume I can do per muscle group and like what's, what's going to elicit best results for whatever my goals are, but it's not perfectly dialed in. Like you have to live like a monk to like really have perfect training sleep and nutrition yeah. and then you have to get rid of all your excess life stress too if you want optimal results in the gym you should you can't have stress outside of the gym like that's taking away from potentially your performance and stuff like that or you le or you at least have to have really good tools to mitigate that stress whether it's meditation or talking to friends or seeing a therapist or whatever you have to be able to nip it in the butt fast but that's just unrealistic for everybody shit happens and it's gonna take away from your recovery so i would say yes though like on average i'm pretty much there i know everything i know how to elicit best results and how to do it in the most sustainable way for myself what about you uh, uh i i still diversify because you know yeah i still diversify i still i still think like if i just do a variety of exercises something will stick right that's just me well, your goals are different though too. Like your goals are more just like long-term health, right? It's literally just to enjoy lifting, cause and I'm addicted to dopamine. Yeah, exactly. So. Yeah, everybody is. Yeah. <laughs> so like, it's just I just live for fun. Like I was thinking about it today. I'm like, I have shit programming for myself. I was thinking about. It, I'm like, I'm like, bro. Like I literally do different exercises daily, yeah. and and I just think about how does my body feel today. I'm doing this today. <laughs> but but to play devil's advocate to that, it's like it's not necessarily shit programming because that'll keep you in the gym for the rest of your life. Bingo. So if you have 50 years of training experience, and even if it's suboptimal programming, but you stick to that programming, I would rather take the guy that has 50 years of experience in terms of health and muscular development and overall enjoyment versus the person that took 10 years with incredible programming balls to the wall and then really didn't enjoy it wasn't having a good time and then struggled to really fall in love with fitness for the rest of their oh, life and so, so then we're both 50 years old but and they had gone perfect for 10 years but not 40 so exactly then, yeah uh, yeah 
Yeah, man. That's depends me. what your goals are, though, right? Yeah, because, it always depends. Because that guy who spent 10 years going hard, maybe his goal was to become the best power lifter of all time, and he did it. Uh, like, and he go. did it. Well, then that pays. That that was Thank his you. goal, and he achieved it. So I needed that context check. Yeah, yeah. So I was listening to Hidden Brain the other day, and this wasn't planned either. Like This just happens to go hand in hand, and they talked about typically, and literature suggests, the most enjoyable path is the best path. So she, So then I actually disagreed in my head, believe it or not. I said, like, and sure, like some people do the most optimal path and hate it, but it's more optimal. So they did it. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't help but think about my athletes I coach. And sometimes I tell them, like, listen, be honest with me. Do you want to really enjoy this? Or are you going to enjoy the thought of being more successful? And that's what will intrinsically motivate you through the workout, even though you don't necessarily dig it as much as you would if it was just fucking la-la time. So do you agree with Hidden Brain PhD expert? expert in quotations because everyone's got a phd these days mm-hmm. on it. or do you think like fuck sometimes uh the non-enjoyable paths i guess the non-enjoyable paths are the best but there's got to be intrinsic motivation with those non-enjoyable paths uh, what, what do you think i think like i think it's i think a lot of times emote like non-enjoyable paths are necessary to success which does bring you like the ultimate happiness like achieving that goal in the process along the way i think doing hard things that make you uncomfortable is necessary like i think that no matter what it is i think you should be doing things that you really don't enjoy if that means not even if that means success actually like i think i'll even contradict myself there like doing hard things will make will improve your character and make you be more resilient and make you want to seek more challenging things and then you have this confidence in life that you can overcome like hardships and like the easiest path is like never going to be perfectly easy like i guess it depends what your definition of easy is too because but like life is always going to throw like there's always going to be a curveball along the path that isn't enjoyable and isn't going to be fun and you're not going to like it but if you then have the ability to overcome that like shitty thing then that is going to build your character and make you more resilient there and make go. the whole process easier there and you you'll go. be more confident and like oh, and have better self-efficacy and as a result of that you'll be happier so then mm-hmm. it's like yeah. it might not be easy but it will elicit happiness and get you towards success so that would be my definition of what the best path is for most people because an easy path doesn't really make you grow that much you know what i mean yeah 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 yeah. yeah. the there's, easiest route doesn't make you develop 100 percent. and there are so many iterations of that in in ccep what we learn in school with all the social cognitive theory self-determination all the other one, trans theoretical model like they're all the spin-offs of that these positive feedback loops mm-hmm. uh um shit what was i gonna say it'll come to me yeah no, no, that's cool that was thought-provoking you know what I want to talk to you about is Bo Burnham special. Oh, oh, dude, we've complete, been so <laughs> yo. I, I forgot about this. People, I, I was telling Scotty, I was like, watch it, watch it, watch it, and, and I really liked it. And then Scotty didn't, and then I was like, still, let's talk about it. Still yeah. on a podcast, and we had an episode we didn't talk about it because I forgot. Yeah, and and we actually haven't even talked about it in person yet. No, so we here we are. Yeah, this will probably take up the rest of the time. Even, yeah, <laughs> like to be honest, so, I, uh, yeah, the reason I want to talk about it is just because like you said, like you. Like you promoted it. Like, yeah, I said, watch it, man. Yeah. We'll talk about what he talks about. And I thought it was so bad. <laughs> I thought it was horrible. Like, I why? hate why because 
it just wasn't comedy in my eyes. I did it, not. It I isn't. Not it's art. It. I did not find it. I can see the it's art. art. I can see the art aspect of That's it. That's why but I like, liked it. I it wasn't funny like in any way to me. Yeah. And even like the art itself was just so chaotic and confusing and like. Like I think Bo, I think somebody should check in on that guy. Like I don't <laughs> he's know. He's sad. Like, he's so sad and so cynical. He's mentally in a bad place. Like I think totally. you can tell. And totally. like I don't know, just seeing it, it just didn't. I didn't get any value from it in any way. There was no value. Yeah, it was yeah, just, I was true. there to laugh, and then when I realized I wasn't gonna laugh, I was like, okay, maybe this will be really insightful. Because there was a couple times where he talked about like some political topics around mm -hmm. like social media and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, that's interesting. Like maybe he'll touch on like more sensitive political topics. But then he didn't. Like the last thirty-five mm -hmm. minutes were just nonsense. Like it just <laughs> there was no real substance to it. It was just interesting. I don't know. It just seemed like he was like singing songs about some like stuff that really made no sense or comedic value. And it just, I don't know. It just, I thought it was awful. And I want to know why you thought it was good. That's no, what I wanted to know. I'm picturing you sitting there straight faced the whole time Dude, alone. I, just being like, laughed, what the fuck? I laughed at the sexting one where he had that song about sexting. That yeah, made me yeah, laugh. That, but I was like, right. outside of that, I feel like I wasted an hour and a half. Like I was like, why did I watch <laughs> That's this? That's fair. Yeah. It's funny. That, that one didn't have me dying much so it's funny we we're on like complete opposite ends there well i'll tell you yeah so i i thought it was extremely insightful it made me think really deeply but then also i am a sucker for symbolism and meta messaging mm -hmm. in movies and whatever and i i loved that he was able to tell us things without telling us things right and i really like that well, what did you get from it what were the things that he said that he didn't directly say he is simply narrating and making a commentary on the nature of comedy and on the nature of pop culture I, I kept seeing constant satirical not jokes but satirical messages about pop culture specifically streaming YouTube and how our kids are addicted to it all. That YouTube one, yeah, that was interesting. Where he was like pretending, he was like, oh, he was, it was like Inception. It was like YouTube Inception. That, yes, I got reacting that. on reacting. Yeah, but even then, like stuff like that, I was like, okay, that's funny and gimmicky, but like, and it's slapstick. But then, but then within even that skit, thank you. Within that skit, he makes little little jabs at even how people think. So like at one point, he says something like. Look at me here. I, I'm actually telling you how I notice how silly I sound to prove to you that I am woke. But really, by explaining it here right now, I'm still sounding just as much of a douchebag to explain how woke I am. And it's yeah. like things like that. I'm like, holy fuck. It's like that is how the human thinks. And he, just like most comedians, say what we're thinking that we didn't realize we're thinking. He was going like a level deeper, in my opinion, but on a psychological level where, like you say, you were expecting comedy out of it. Whereas then, like, once I kind of let that go because it got serious right off the get-go, I was like, okay. And, and, and uh, like, I, could, I don't, I don't want to just necessarily review, like, or break down the whole thing. It was just every – there were some really cool theories, too. I don't know if you want to comment on that, but, like, I want to talk about some of these things he even said, just insights and theories he has. Yeah, I think that's – Honestly, this has helped me like not be so judgmental of it because like I didn't I guess I just didn't look at it that way. Like I think I was looking at it for comedic value and I and like once I realized it wasn't funny at all, I just was like this sucks. Like I think yeah. that so I, I think I kind of like judged it 
based on it being not funny to me and then i was like this is a waste of time but i didn't really look i tried like i watched the whole thing like i should i would have given up like 20 minutes in but like (laughs) but you knew we talk about it i watched the whole thing so i was like maybe this is gonna get funny maybe this will get really insightful but i think honestly i probably just missed like a lot of the insights because i was like of that mind that this sucks so what what were the things that what were the things that you found really valuable from it um or interesting or interesting ideas or whatever first off someone had told me to watch it and said it made them cry it was sad so like i was like was oh so bad yeah exactly <laughs> exactly that's why and then i i then went in expecting okay this is gonna get deep so then when it did get deep i was like here it is and then it just kind of continued being that way also side note before i tell you like what i liked about it, i buddies can't stand musicals if there is one note of a, of a song in a movie they're done they're not watching it yeah. and so I have buddies that still haven't watched it and will not because I told them the whole thing's music yeah. it's all music whereas I don't know I just don't mind that stuff so um, there, I loved when he talked about how huge Silicon Valley type billionaire companies are manipulating like neurochemicals of our young bloods that was interesting and, yeah. and, and that like that is in essence what makes the big bucks these days what we're profiting off of and i couldn't help but just be like oh that's sad because it's true uh and then even things like the when he's talking about being 30 and songs like that that again like if you look at it superficially from just the song like it's not funny and stuff but even i just like from a director standpoint artistic standpoint the way he symbolizes the world revolves around me he's doing his own uh lighting as well as there's a lot of moments where he's just in his underwear to show vulnerability. That's something a lot of artists do. And to also represent COVID that people aren't wearing clothes in their house anymore. Uh, is, that, is that actually how you saw that? That's how I saw it. And, but is that it, not a stretch? Like it, the whole thing, it's, this is why I say it's, stre- the whole oh. thing's a subjective artistic view. Oh. The, the whole thing I just portrayed, this is why I think it's art because art, when you go to the theater or the museum is subjective, just like this is art. This is art. You can that's take it however you like. That's interesting. I, I, I'm a, I don't think I'm good at that. I don't think I'm necessarily good at like seeking an alternate meaning like to something and making up like my own conclusions about something. I think a lot of times I need the person who's delivering it to me to give me at least some sort of substance. Like I think maybe that's why I didn't like it was because it was just very there was it was so open ended, I guess. Very, very. But that's why I liked it because then yeah. I could portray it how I wanted to. It's interesting how different people view it. That's one hundred percent about this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah one hundred percent. Um, and and like little things when you, near the end, he's filming his own concert to show how lonely he is, mm-hmm. and to and the there was a lot of epitomies going or epitomizing, I guess, where he would show the loneliness of COVID. A lot of it was based around like our world today and COVID has changed the world forever and it might become more lonely. Like he was filming his own concert. Like it's ridiculous. And then the camera at one point, it's full battery, but all of a sudden like there's a shot where it's low battery to show like he's fronting this concert in his living room and that he's having a great time, but he's low battery. Um, the YouTuber has a knife, very threatening. How often do we see this? People like and subscribe. Like it's a threatening, like y- you got to follow me. And like, I love that he had a knife. And then on that note too, that shot, he let roll out. The music ended. It, the camera should have cut, but it didn't. And he does this multiple times where he shows the dismal and the mundane. I think that was intentional because the whole world is digital and we see the camera cut and that's it. And we f- reflect back oh. on our life. He shows constantly 
how dismal and mundane real life is. So he lets the camera roll out or he shows him just doing something. You're like, why the fuck would he put that in? You're like, why? Well, he could have cut that out. No, it's to show how boring life is. He's Dude, he's trying to be real. So insightful. No, yeah. it is, but and then like little things, the way he shoots it, there are times it's zooming in, and you're like, wow, is he is he ever gonna stop zooming in? But he keeps going. It's to show how trapped he feels. And this, this is again just my subjective view, but this is why I like like, um, film is art. So like that's a way to a meta message to show he's trapped and then when it would pan out he's more free like and you, you'll notice shots where like he's doing things where he's getting sad and he zooms in to show like to make you feel trapped as well mm-hmm. um the song uh oh the instagram girl song we again just look at it as a silly he's making fun of white people very funny like and whatever he's trying to be fun you can look at the whole show superficially if you want but then I love that if you want, you can flip the switch, look at it deep. He on purposely you expands out the edges, like whatever you want to call it, like the edges of the screen, when she's getting vulnerable and opening up about her mother dying or something. That's like the real her. And then as she gets more superficial and, and egotistical, the walls, like the barriers to the TV go back to these one-by-one one Instagram, whatever you call it, frame. And she goes right back to talking about the things on she's fronting as well as like silly things like uh she's wearing all the anti-racism stuff on her face mm-hmm. and clothes and then there'll be her appropriating indigenous stuff in another oh, and yeah. I, it's very quick like some of the stuff you don't notice same with uh he pays tribute to fight club with like something he does where he just pops himself up you have to pause it to see it and then um the, like I love how he makes fun of Twitch streaming. It's another. He's just making fun of pop culture today and how the world is today. Yeah. Uh, oh, and the last thing I really liked, I'm sure I'll remember other things, is when he starts breaking down the mind blowing theory that we are now our digital world is as real as the real world or might be as real as the real world, and we will get to this point where we're like coal miners, going in, gathering supplies, getting out. But in the real world, we go out to the real world, gather the content for the digital world, the more real world. And uh, that's what it might come to. And I just I was thinking about that. And then uh, after that, again, he's a genius where he comes up with a bad joke. He makes this pirate joke that's just horrible. Yeah. But he had to come up with a horrible joke. He's capable of writing good jokes. He like intentionally. It's like jokeception. Yeah. And I was like, what a genius. And anyway, so there's that's a lot of super shit like interesting. That. I like. I'm really glad we talked about this actually because now I have way more respect for it and how intricate that actually was for him. I was wildly impressed by the production of it though. Like yeah, that was same. insane. Like what he was able to do, like with just one guy and like make a production. Like I was really impressed with just the difference in lights and camera angles and scenes and changing the set and all that stuff. I was like, holy shit, like this, this is really impressive. So yeah, I'm really glad you told me all of that because that makes me have more appreciation for it. So I'm sorry, Bo Burnham. (laughs) Sorry, Bo Burnham (laughs) for making fun of you. Bro. And this is the thing too, like it's art. So like not everyone's going to like it. Yeah. Yeah. So you can't expect people to like it. But uh, did you, do you remember the Socko bit? Nope. Remember he has the sock puppet on his hand? Oh Yeah. Um, he that gets so deep, deep as you think. Not only is he playing a joke on like how the world works, and then he goes from kids' show version, which is very PG, to all of a sudden Socko's telling the truth. But Socko, we forget this Socko guy, and everyone to paint a picture, people, he's just talking with a sock puppet, and he's playing a song. Socko is a representation of our middle class worker, or even lower class worker, and the way he says like I'm in a shelf 
in between a state of being alive and dead, but neither or. And I'm like, holy shit, this is like people who are zombies just going out there working their ass off and not knowing why, but yet they're controlled by the white 1%. Dude. And well, and, and then he goes off to like, he give, he wants Socko to speak because he wants to bring awareness to the shit. But then once Socko starts turning it against the person controlling him, he is immediately oppressed and shunned. And right when he gets Socko to apologize and stop talking, he kills him anyway. He rips him off his hand anyways. Um, and I was just like, holy shit, it's the perfect representation. That's insane, actually. Yeah. I didn't, I, yeah, I missed all of this. Like, that's so cool. And well, and then it's the little words he uses I too. Lo- I love stuff like that. <laughs> I, I love cool. when people like satire, like, especially the current state of everything like going on in the world, like how sensitive and manipulative and controlled and like just everything that society is right now especially over the last five years has changed so much Mm -hmm. like i love when people joke about that or shine light on it and like really be like hey this is like what reality actually is so i'm almost upset that like i didn't see all of this because that's really interesting it's and well like even if you just watch Mm -hmm. one scene at a time it's all on youtube Especially the soccer one. That's pretty popular. And then there's a song about the internet. And he, he just, I guess, again, satirically shows the polar opposites on the internet. How it's such a good place and it can be such a horrible place. Yeah. Um, and then he makes, like, pop culture references, like the Be- Bezos jokes because yeah. he's the man of the hour. But uh, I, that's why I liked it. But uh, anyways, if you rewatch it, you'll notice things you didn't catch the first time. Yeah, man. What are your favorite things about Judaism and religion? Community. <laughs> why is that so? Why Why do you like that so much? It filled a void in my life what at the time. It? What was that void? A sense of community. Why didn't you feel like you had that? You just didn't have a large group of friends or a social circle? I think sports had ended. And that was community when for did me. You, when did you get into Judaism? When did you like really adopt I was born Jewish and I've done it forever. Literally, my all my first memories are... I've been doing Jewish stuff forever. Just I wasn't very, very into it. So then when sports ended, you started to align more with, like, its values and really lean into the culture, I guess? Yeah, I just experimented and did lean in. That's the perfect word. <laughs> Can you explain yeah, to me, the or the listeners, the Jews of the mind, Jews of the heart, and Jews oh, of the stomach? You remember that. Remember it, that it's yeah. simple, people. And they replace the word Jew with any religion you want. It works for everything. Jews in the mind, people that study every word of the Torah, which is like the Bible. And Jews of the heart are the ones that just believe. They, they're believers, but they don't study it per se. They can't tell you every line. And then Jews of the stomach, like myself, or you live for the traditions or the food and the people. And that's why you're Jewish. But you don't align with like the Torah and like the, the beliefs as much? No, I don't. I don't. I don't believe in a god. Is it Torah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Torah. T O R A H. Torah. (laughs) (laughs) Spelling B. Yeah, man. That's like, uh, I don't believe that. A lot of people are shocked to hear that. I don't believe in a god. And they're like, "How the hell could you be religious if you don't believe in a god?" Well, that's why I love (laughs) when you first told me that. It made so much more sense because when I was growing up, like. I guess atheist like I don't really know if I'm like I identify as like atheist but like I don't I don't believe in a god and I don't have a religion that I align with I see religion in a different way remind me to talk about that but like I, know, I yeah. see um 
where was I going? Oh, I, I grew up as in like, I was very uneducated and I was like, I was like, how can all of these people believe in something that they can't see or that they have no proof of? And like God and the Bible, I was like, how do they just blindly like follow a book? And like, I just had this very, Im I was young, I was like 13. I just had this very immature view of like religion. Um, and then obviously I started to understand it more and more as I got older, but it was just something I wasn't really that interested in because I was comfortable with my values and I was comfortable with other people having theirs. I just didn't look into religion that much, but it's been something I've been a lot more interested in over the last like three or four years. And when you told me that about like Jews of the mind, Jews of the heart, Jews of the stomach, that made so much sense to me be be and it made me understand why so many people identify with religions because religions have so much to offer outside of believing in god like it's so much more than that like that is a very small percentage of it in my eyes now um and i remember my dad said this to me when i was a kid and like because he was atheist and i identified with that as well and i asked him one day i was just really curious about religion i was even younger i was like i was a kid and i was like i'll never forget it i was like dad like why I was like why do all of these people just like like believe in something that they can't see and they can't prove and science doesn't back and all of this stuff and then he's like and then he's like one thing that you need to remember uh, that's really important about religion is that that they have that we don't he's like at least they have faith and he's like at least they have hope of something greater and something after their life and something to look forward to atheists don't like they have no there's no hope. There's no place, beautiful place that you're going to go. And I extrapolated that as I got older. There's no real community associated with being an atheist or identifying with science. There's no there's no value system that is designed to make you a better person as a whole. Um, and religion has all of that stuff. There's that sense of community. There's that sense of a value system. There's a sense of responsibility as an individual on this earth um, to be a good person and to earn your right to have a good afterlife, blah, blah, blah. Um, and if you don't have if you don't have those things, it's probably going to be an unhappy life. So and and then that's when I really started to value religion, how much it had to offer. Like as somebody who's not religious, I started to really respect it. And I was like, man, that sense of community must be amazing. Like you going to Shabbat dinners on Friday, like that must be such a good feeling being able to go and meet with a bunch of people that are around your age and identify mm -hmm. with the same values. I was like so envious of that. I was like, that's so cool. Like I don't have that. And people that are religious don't have that. Um, and then and then especially sense of community, like community and social interaction is actually one of like the main tiers of happiness. Like we learned about it in uh, science yeah, Science of Wellbeing with Dr. Lori Santos. It was um, social connection mm -hmm. and how that was a whole section on that, how important social connection is. It was a rewirement. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So and it was uh, it was really interesting, like when she was talking about that. And then I was like, well, religion has that built in. There's a lot of things built into religion that are will allow you to live a happier life and then all of this kind of ended up and then i read mark manson's yeah, book every, every thing, everything you know, is yeah. fucked and like i say this all the time like zeb's heard it like thousands of times I like i talk I about it. it all the time how we now have the power to create our own religion our own personal religion and anything can be labeled as a religion technically like all you need for a religion um, is a God value and a set of beliefs around that God value. And then 
like racism is racism can be deemed as a religion it's a bad one but it can be deemed as a religion capitalism is a religion socialism is a religion um, any ideology really like being living a healthy fit lifestyle can be a religion like and people have this negative connotation of a religion as it's very specific it's controlling it's you have to live by these rules and no that's a cool thing you get to make your religion mm. it can be as flexible or non-flexible as you want it to be so now as i've grown into like a young man i've started to identify what my god values are and what the constituents of those god values are and like what my values are and what my principles are and what and, and what so god value just being like what are mine specifically oh, just in general you use that word a few times god, like, val what's a god value so like a god value for so like your god value can be literal or it can be like figurative um but your god value could be like an actual god like it could be buddha it could be jesus or, or whatever but it could also be it could also be living in like a socialist society or, or capitalistic society where everybody like which where it's economy based and having a su successful economy with lots of money moving around is your god value because you see a successful economy as the best route to living a good life for the for yourself and the people around you um if my if my god value is fitness and working out regularly that's my god value because i believe that living a life full of fitness and full of resistance training or spending time in the gym is the route to the happiest best life for me mm, yeah. and other people around me will identify with that god value being fitness as a result and then you start to create that community which we talked about religion has so then you have this religious type community who is passionate about being fit because their that is one of their top values like that is their god value that's the most important thing to them because it helps them live the happiest best life and having praying to jesus every night or going to church because jesus is your god value makes you live the happiest healthiest life who's to say otherwise right, right. the cool thing is though it, like i don't see religion anymore as as Christianity, Catholicism, Judaism, like Buddhism, anything like that, I see it as over my life, I'm going to have things that I value. Like I'm going to have God values that really start to matter to me. And for right now, it's fitness and also just being a kind person. Like those are kind of my main God values. And then I can create my values and principles that, that, line up with my god value making me live the happiest healthiest I love life that. that's such a good way to put it because even just being a kind person let's say your religion was legit called be a kind person religion exactly. and, and but that so that's the god value now you ask what do you have to do to be a good person a kind person boom you've just laid out traditions criteria every every on on january 1st every year in be a kind person religion it's hug someone day and that's your tradition in that religion like like you're right exactly yeah like all all of the things that religion already has you can just take your own things that matter to you and plug them in exactly. the structure is already there we already know how to do it but now you can make it your own and you yes. can make it what's best for the individual rather than feeling like yes there you go Because there's lots of things about catholicism christianity judaism that i don't agree with and that i won't i don't believe in so i can be I can be a 
Like I could be like like you are like I could be a Jew of the stomach and believe in all the things that really matter to me, but not necessarily believe some of the other values in the religion. Now we have the power to pick and choose what matters most to us and kind of morph religions and ideologies to fit ourselves and mm -hmm. to, to fit the person rather than feeling like you have to identify with everything, even though you don't necessarily agree with it, to be a part of that religion. You can create your own. Like you can, you could not believe in Jesus or God and just go to church and because you like the environment, you like the community, you like meeting people, you like how it makes you feel, it makes you happy, but you don't have to identify with 100% of the religion. So. Bingo. Oh, I love the spectrum of religion. I could talk about that forever. I was stuck in London. We have three synagogues, that's it, and, and which is actually most in a lot of places, but and there's like the three tiers and you have orthodox, conservative, and like low-level secular reform. And that's how London was tiered. And then someone way back, Joe Roberts, shout out, and he and he ran the Jewish Community Center. And we were having lunch, and he just said, it's like, yeah, Zev, like, it's not like this in big cities. There aren't these just tiers. Like, you don't have to identify as one of the three. It's like there's a whole fluid spectrum. Now, also, I love that, like, everyone can be religious. And you're right. Most people are going to take that term and run with it. Whereas you can create your own religion. It sounds silly, but after you just told me that, like you literally create your own religion, you can be religious and you can be the only one part of that. Yeah. The only reason, like it just so happens, some of these religions have millions of people who follow it. Otherwise, you can be your own religion. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. No, no. There's you're, you're too bad. much power to that word. Eh? Well, that's the other, that's the other <laughs> interesting thing that Mark Manson talks about in that book is like that your God value with any religion or any ideology, you start with a God value. Um, like the Vatican is a really great example of this. It started with this God value of God and of Jesus and of Catholicism and all of that. The Vatican is just a mass superpower on earth now. The Vatican's, like, the amount of kids that get molested as a part of, like, the Christian or Catholic church, that's got to be against God's wishes. Like, that. That's not. that's not a part of the Bible. Like, that's not allowed. Like... And there's so much horrible shit that goes on um, that goes against your God value. But the reason that that stuff happens is because you start with a God value and you start creating a, an, a following and you start developing power and money and success as your religion grows. Once you have millions of people following you around any ideology, then there's a lot of power associated with that. And every single religion in history eventually shifts from there's an original god value being jesus or catholicism or god or heaven or whatever it is to just making sure we can continue to have money and power and that happens with everything that happens with almost every ideology because at some point you start to have money and power and you're like wow i really like this and your god value changes to money and power and like sports organizations you see it all the time it started with just people wanting to play football now it's all about how much fucking money can we yeah. make on a yearly basis yeah, yeah. and how can we keep growing this to the, one of the largest organizations in the entire world, right? Bingo, bingo. McDonald's started out with two brothers that just wanted mm. to make good food and run a business. Now, and then the guy, if you watch The Founder on Netflix, which is like the story of how McDonald's came to be and how the main CEO ended up taking it away from the brothers, it quickly shifted to just becoming how much money and how much power can I grow? It had nothing to do with food. It has everything to do with how much money can we mass, essentially. Bro, and when you mentioned 
the afterlife and faith, like what your father said and stuff. It's funny. It grinds people the wrong way. When I say, I don't believe in the afterlife. I don't believe in that stuff. I believe in uh, the philosophy of the afterlife and et cetera, whatever, all those metaphors. Explain that. The philosophy. I believe in the philosophy of that there is no right or wrong. It's philosophical. When people start saying, no, there is. My religion says there is an afterlife. I'm like, how? Like anyone with an open mind would say, like, we don't know. There's nothing proving that. So, but you also can't prove otherwise. (laughs) So I believe in the philosophy of all the religious shit. And that's why I'm a philosophy head. So I love religion because it's philosophical. Also on another note, before we run out of time here, um, I, I believe I'm just part of a club. Just like if people were doing a knitting club and once a week you go to knitting club. Once a week, I do things in my religion. Once a year, I do things. And so I'm just part of a big club. And it's so important. Dude, it pisses off religious people or traditional religious people. They go, you don't believe in God, but you're a Jew. And how could you? And I'm like, I'm just part of a big club. And I like that club. And then I want my kids to go to knitting club. And if they don't like knitting club, they don't have to fucking go to knitting club. I'm going to keep going. Um, Also... Here, one second. Let's pause it quick and then start a new one because I there's one thing I need to do with you before and okay, it'll good. cut before. Uh... Here, I'm starting it. I'm starting. It. I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad it worked this way. I'll tell you when we sit down with Ben. Hopefully, we do like a bigger one. Yeah. It, I'll tell you why after. Like it, that one, I feel like will be a little funny. This was a little serious, which I don't mind. I don't mind. But also, I did bring you a snack. I brought you. Oh my god! It's 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 no a, it's a peanut butter Nutella sandwich. No Be, way. And because I, you gotta enjoy it. However, it then made me think. Anyone who's read or heard the summary of Forty Eight Laws of Power, one of the laws is to manipulate someone. You, if you, <laughs> no, no, don't get it. No, no. You know, you do make I, them sandwiches I, to, to manipulate. Yeah, to manipulate you? them, you give them a sandwich, and then they'll kiss you on the yeah. lips, and then you'll love them. And that's what I want Scott to do to me right now. Anyways, <laughs> they say they say if you tell somebody, you share a lot, they're more likely to share. If you tell them something, even if they're not a sharing a sharing person, they typically conform to what you say they are. This is a way you can hack kids. I'm no expert when it comes to kids. I don't have kids, so sorry for this advice. But if you have kids, like tell your kids. Thank you so much. You're so good at tying your shoes, and they'll start tying their shoes. Like, um, that's, yeah, that actually, that's but, actually so true. <laughs> so, anyways, and the other day, Scott said some really kind things to me, and and so it's funny. I was like, shit, maybe Scott, and, and I'm gonna assume Scott didn't even know about this one 48 Laws of Power book, but like that is one of the things. If you tell someone they are something, they will start doing it, and, that, and then that's <laughs> so interesting. That's, that's so funny. I thought actually. about. it. I was I like, oh, this is Scott told me. Uh, this and I love here we anyways yeah. enjoy the sandy I will enjoy the hell out of that yes and I'm, I'm going to work out after this and it's going to feel oh there you go oh my up. god um, yeah I was talking about thoughtfulness I would actually love to talk about this super quick and I'm like I was talking to Zev about thoughtfulness and how I think Zev's a very thoughtful person it's something that I want to work on more and also I notice a lot of females in general are very good at being thoughtful and it uh I, it just means that's so true it just means a lot like it just mean like this means a lot like it's something that's so simple you know what i mean but like i i think the reason that i romanticize thoughtfulness so much and i have just over the last couple of weeks is because i'm not good at it and i and i love other people that do it just the ability to think about somebody else and just do a kind gesture for no reason is it's just impressive to me and it's just like it's i really appreciate it, it means a lot so it's something that and I would love to hear other people's opinion on thoughtfulness and if like they're 
a thoughtful person or if they appreciate thoughtfulness because there's like those love languages you know mm -hmm. how they yeah, they're yeah. like that's very popular. physical touch and um one of them is acts of service which i kind of attribute to like just little mm -hmm. thoughtful things that people do um and yeah i don't know i don't know it just means a lot and thoughtfulness is something that's really interesting so obviously so. books yeah it's all right um but yeah no yeah so i don't know this is i really appreciate this and if you're listening to this do something thoughtful for another person or reach out to me or zev and tell me your opinions on thoughtfulness and if that means a lot to you and if you strive to be somebody that's more thoughtful because that's somebody that i want to be as well well and scotty's done so many thoughtful things for me so it's sad to hear that but and when this camera turns off i'll be talking to him about it but uh that's very interesting. You'll have to maybe ask guests on your show from now on. Like, yeah. that's a question because if you want to hear more people and their thoughts, right? I think I will, yeah. <laughs> I think thoughtfulness is something. It's just a topic that I've been really interested in recently. And, uh, yeah, I'm excited this to learn more about it. I'm glad we could end on a snack. This is a good way to end. Thank this you so much for this. I'm excited. My pleasure. My pleasure. It's a f nasty combo. <laughs> now we have to stop the recording so you don't hear all the smooching. <laughs> <laughs> all right. And that is all. I hope you enjoyed that with Scott. Amazing chat. Enjoy. Rate five stars if you're listening on Apple Podcasts. Have a great weekend.